Welcome to Textile Update, the podcast where we can share our passion for textiles, fibers, and yarns. This is Gwendolyn Hustvedt. We continue our exploration of naturally occurring cellulose fibers in the third of four podcasts on the topic. of our discussion today is linen and linen is a very ancient and venerable fiber and and when I say that when I say venerable um, and ancient uh, when I visited the British Museum a couple of years ago during my sabbatical I had uh, attended uh, the uh, North Atlantic Native sheep and wool meeting in the Isle of Man and then I was uh, going through London on my way home and I stopped by the British Museum and one of the things I visited were the two mummies in the British Museum that uh, are very old and have uh, linen is what the uh, cloth that wraps them is made of and this linen has been preserved so now we have this incredibly ancient sample of linen and and of course it's really hard to get an old textile sample made from a naturally occurring fiber because they decay very quickly right they're they're made from plants and animals um, so so while we have the fossil record showing us the imprint of uh, textiles uh, the, the fibers themselves no not so much of course, um, as it turns out, I hadn't really clocked when reading about it that, uh, you know, you just read a line in the textbook. Um, ancient samples of linen come from mummies. Um, these mummies are coated in pitch, in um, uh, plant sap, right? And uh, So they're basically like um, kind of liquid amber. And, uh, ooh, just really gross um so uh you know you're expecting a gorgeous old textile and instead you just have this dead body covered in goo the fact that there's linen in there uh, i don't know it just wasn't what i expected um but uh because linen is so old and and because it uh, uh is connected so intimately with uh with culture in a part of the world uh northern europe um where it's uh wet enough that the um production of linen can be made easier. Um, one of the things that we notice about when we talk about uh, uh, f- linen production is that the, all of this um, uh, interesting language. Um, one of the first things is that, you know, I mentioned linen, right? But of course, um, linen is now the name of any fabric that's made from bast fibers. So in fact, we could have a linen made from hemp or we could have a linen made from ramy, right? Um, flax is the actual fiber. It's the name of the plant, right? So flax fibers make linen, but you can't scold people for confusing this, right? Because it's been called linen for so long. And, and we use terms like linseed oil or linoleum because of this connection of the word linen to the flax plant. Uh, so even when we're talking about flax in particular, people may still say linen. And nobody really says linen from flax. While they might be encouraged and it probably would be good for clarity to say linen from hemp. 
Now, linen is uh, only uh, marginally used in apparel. Only about 35% of linen uh, goes to apparel. Uh, the other 65% or so are split between, oh, I'm sorry, I've got that backwards. 55% of linen goes to apparel and the other 45%, right, with 35% going to interiors, 10% of that uh, 45 is used for linens, for sheets and towels. I have linen toweling and I like it because it has a lot less lint. Um, linen as a fiber is very durable and if you get tired of dust in your bathroom and lint in your dryer, then a switch to linen might really be, to flax, uh, it might really be advisable. Now, in terms of the production of, of flax, it's a, a, a crop that grows in fields, right? Uh, so green stems come up out of the earth and then eventually little blue flowers on the top. And uh, then uh, the, the plant begins to mature and will start to dry out. Uh, it's harvested uh, before it completely dies. And um, it's uh, stacked in uh, what are called chapels in the field, um, uh, it could also be called gates. Uh, and um, so there's sort of cones where the, the heads of the fiber are all gathered together, together at the top. And then someone pulls kind of legs out from underneath to form kind of a, 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 a cone shape that allows air to circulate underneath um, and uh, help the stems to dry completely. Uh, an important step called rippling is to remove the seeds from the top. And that's because the seeds themselves are the source of an oil that uh, in ancient times was used to fuel lamps. Um, nowadays we eat the seeds or we might drink the oil uh, because of its um, health benefits. Uh, but uh, I think it's kind of interesting to think like we're obsessed now with drinking something that people in previous centuries saw as a fuel. Um, it, it's kind of interesting to think about how that works. Uh, once it's uh, all nice and dried out, the next step is what's called redding. And redding sounds like rotting because that's pretty much what it is. Uh, we have to remove the, the pectin, ends in I-N, which isn't a mucus, uh, it isn't a wax, uh, it isn't a grease, it's uh, more of a gel. And uh, the pectin is what holds the fibers together in the stem. I mention the pectin because the pectin can be released by boiling the flax seeds. So in fact, a very nice natural form of hair gel, I used it myself when I was a, um, a you know, an earthy, crunchy uh, young adult. Um, uh, nowadays, you know, who needs hair care products? Um, but uh, uh, when I was a earthy, crunchy young adult, uh, take a, a, a cup of, of flax seeds, uh, boil them in water for a while and voila, gel. Uh, but the pectin needs to be decomposed so that the fibers can be uh, separated. And um, once, uh, oh, and redding is very often done in shallow ponds or pools of water. And this is why um, the, the linen is uh, produced from flax mainly in colder, damp countries. So some places in Eastern Europe, Ireland, some places in the U.S. and Canada where it rains often enough that there's standing water and where it's cool so that the bacteria that are actually doing the redding have their most happy environment. 
Um, so once uh, the stems are sufficiently rotted and so they're all kind of spotty and black looking, um, we remove them from the pool of water and we begin the process of breaking and then scutching, right? So breaking uh, is just what it sounds like. We're just breaking apart the woody stem uh, and then scutching. We're actually banging it with a hammer. Um, and uh, I actually I read an interesting paper uh, that uh, analyzed uh, the, the um, there's a special bench that uh, you hook the flax uh, stems to one end of the bench and the bench is the length of a person's arm uh, and they will use a, a scotch knife and actually scrape the the fibers right so um, break them and bang on them and then uh, scotch them and uh, the, the person who was um, the anthropologist who was doing the analysis was talking about how all of the tools were designed to be very ergonomic right and so you could get a sense of how the tools were used by understanding the length of people's arms. Uh, another reason why uh, this is a, a not necessarily as common of a fiber today, right, is this sort of um, unique uh, uh, processing system um, that, uh, you know, potentially has defied some of the efficiencies created by uh, things like, uh, you know, in the case of cotton, we have the cotton gin. Uh, once we have uh, taken off the big chunks of the outer stem, then we will hackle it and comb it, right, to uh, separate and align the fibers, kind of like carding and combing, right? And um, so we're further breaking apart stuck-together bunches of fibers. And this idea that the fibers are stuck together in bunches is also something that's pretty particular to uh, to linen. Cotton and wool fibers are all separated, uh, so once we have them clean, uh, we, we are hoping they stick back together, whereas in the case of linen, they're stuck together and we're hoping to get them apart. Uh, once we've gotten the, the fibers sufficiently um, separated, we'll spin them into yarn and then make them into um, mostly wovens, although I have seen some linen knits. The first uh, finish that we want to talk about, uh, you know, kind of like with fulling, where we used uh, fulling to improve the fabric just after it had been woven by tightening it up uh, through selective felting. Uh, with linen, we'll do what's called beetling. And beetling is what it sounds like. You beat it a bit, right? So we pound it with a beetle, uh, a certain type of hammer. And this actually closes up the pores, just like fulling does for wool, only in this case it's purely a mechanical action. We don't, we don't need water. Um, because we're removing additional pectin, um, the pectin uh, in linen, like the Subarin in uh, silk, keeps it from being as lustrous as possible. So um, we're closing up the pores and we're improving the luster and drape by making the fabric uh, less stiff. Uh, if we think about the morphology of linen, um, uh, again, one of the interesting things is when we look at linen fibers under the microscope, we might discover that actually what we're looking at is a bunch of fibers, what's called a, a fibril bundle. And uh, if we look at the cross section of the fibril bundle, we might see three or four fibers still kind of stuck together with the pectin, which will be removed over time through use and laundering. And so linen is one of those really amazing fabrics that gets softer with use and wear. Uh, if you ever slept on a linen sheet, you'll be like, wow, these are amazingly soft. Well, not as soft as when they were first bought. The fact that someone was rolling around on them all night, every night, 365 days a year, that's what made them so soft. 
In the case of linen used in hotels, the fact that the sheets are laundered almost every night, depending on how long the average guest stays, means that that laundering is helping the linen get softer and softer. Uh, the the cross-section of the fiber is a, is a polygon, and this is important because it can be very clear, looking under the microscope, that this uh, linen made from flax fibers, that these are naturally occurring fibers, that we, we cannot manufacture fiber that is this that has this particular cross-section and has a lumen visible down the center. Uh, there's a distinguishing feature when we look at the surface contour as well that we would not see with... Uh, manufactured fibers, right? So you can quickly tell if something is actually uh, naturally occurring fiber or, or if it's been manufactured, uh, right? So they might call something hemp, but it could be hemp uh, using the rayon process, right? Uh, breaking it down and then manufacturing it into a fiber. And that means it will have radically different properties than, than uh, linen from hemp. But if you look at the fibers under the microscope, if it's a bast fiber, you should see in the surface contour these what are called nodes, little nodules and bumps uh, that happen occasionally uh, along the length of the fiber that look like knees, right? And those nodes tell us this was a fiber built by nature to be strong. Uh, so they're very rigid and there's no crimp. Uh, I'm not going to uh, get into uh, different types of fabric, unlike with silk, right, where we had to really get into what are the, all of the different things we can do with linen, uh, with, with flax, right, Steve and I do it, um, because linen is the main fabric. Uh, that's pretty much it, right? So beetling, the main thing to know uh, in terms of uh, a typical finish, and, um, and that's it. So for such an ancient and venerable uh, fiber, part of its beauty is that it kind of just does the one thing it does uh, very, very well. Mm -hmm.